I'm Becky Hennessy. This is Living Through, Episode 67, Cornerstone 1, Feelings and Emotions. Hey there, this is Living Through, a podcast for partners who have been betrayed, who are living through as they recover and heal and reconnect. Well, welcome back, you guys. You have done the hardest part, and that is coming back. I mean, the bonus episode, you didn't really know what you were getting into, but you showing up after knowing what you're signing up for here. Now that is intentional and that is huge and that's a big step. So thank you. Thank you for staying connected to me to live through what we're going to live through today. The next four episodes that you're going to listen to, including today, are what I'm calling cornerstone episodes. And I'm calling them that because I have come to find not only in a professional space, but also in my own healing and in my own recovery, that these four cornerstones seem to be the foundation of what I have been able to build my own healing and my own recovery on. And again, what I've been able to build healing and recovery on with other folks, the folks that I visit with. These are not in any particular order. They're just how I decided to record them. And there's not a checklist. Y'all, I know. I know we would love to have a checklist in recovery or healing of do this. Yep, done. Now move on to this. Yep, done. That doesn't exist. At least what I've come to find. If you have a checklist of recovery in an order that works for every person on the planet, write a book, you're going to make millions. I have not seen it myself yet. So this isn't that checklist. These cornerstones can be placed in any order. And you're just going to try them on today. You may try them on and say, you know what, I actually didn't utilize that cornerstone in my recovery. I actually have a different one. Or you may add some to this. Your healing and your recovery is your process. And that's 100% okay. This is just what I've noticed in my own. Before we start to talk about feelings and emotions today, I just want to make sure that you understand what I am talking about when I'm talking about feelings and emotions. For me, when I talk about feelings, I am talking about the physical sensations that happen inside of your body. So I am talking about heart racing, muscles tense, jaw tense, head hurting, muscles aching, stomach having roller coaster belly. I call it roller coaster belly because it feels like you do when you're on a roller coaster, right? Butterflies in your stomach, whatever. Those physical sensations, that physiological response that happens inside of your body, that is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about feelings. So in this episode and all the episodes in the future, as you hear me say feelings, that is what I am referring to. Emotions are what we call those feelings. So emotions are the names and the labels that we give those feelings. For example, for me, nervousness and anxiety are two different things that go on. When I feel nervous, I feel my heart race and my chest get tight. I feel that every time I go to record a podcast episode, I feel it every time I'm asked to go speak somewhere right before I stand up to the microphone or whatever. That feeling is heart racing, chest tight. The emotion is nervousness. Anxiety feels different for me. 
Anxiety has the heart racing and the chest tight, but it also has this roller coaster belly that I'm talking about. You know when you get to the top of the roller coaster and right as you're coming down, that is what happens inside of my stomach when I have anxiety. So the feeling is heart racing, chest tight, roller coaster belly. The emotion is anxiety. I want to take some time to get you really curious about something that you've probably been taught your whole life. I know I was taught it my entire life for the most part. I don't know who taught it to me, my parents or society or through observation or where I got this information from, but somewhere in my rearing, and I'm guessing in yours, we got the bones of your thoughts control your feelings that control your behaviors. The meat on those bones came for me when I went to college as I started to study psychology. We hear this over and over and over. Thoughts control your feelings that control your behaviors. In the mental health space, this is called cognitive behavioral therapy. In a coaching world, this is called cognitive behavioral training. It's also known as CBT. It's been around for a really, really long time. There's a lot of research that's been put into it. And I bought into that idea, hook, line, and sinker. You guys, as a therapist, as a wife, as a mom, as a human, I have loved the idea that I could choose my thoughts, which would then allow me to choose my feelings, those physical responses in my body, which would then allow me to choose my behavior. Why did I like it so much? Because feelings are hard. I don't love feeling the hard ones, the unpleasant ones. It's not awesome to feel those all of the time. And so to me, CBT was this beautiful marriage of controlling thought and then controlling feeling and thus creating a baby of wonderful and productive behaviors and awesome thoughts and goodness. Here's the problem, though, at least for me. As I started to adult and be a wife and be a mom, and as I started to counsel hundreds of people, things were not matching up. In my own personal life, I started to notice that even though I had done a ton of thought work through coaches, through therapists, through conferences, whatever. I've done a ton of thought work in how to restructure them and how to rewrite them and how to reword them and changing them. Even though I was doing that, I was still feeling some really hard feelings inside of my body. Those physical responses were still happening. And I started to notice professionally that even though my clients were applying everything I was telling them to, they were doing the homework, they were doing the things, those hard feelings were still around. And then they would try to think something different and that hard feeling was still there or those hard feelings were still there, specifically in a trauma space where fight, flight, or freeze is activated pretty quick. So I got curious. Well, let me be honest. I first got really stubborn and bugged about it. And then when I recognized that wasn't super helpful, then I got curious. And that's just what I'm challenging you to do today is to just get curious about this for you. What if your thoughts do not come first initially? Given that feelings are that physical sensation released in your body or those physical responses released in your body when you're triggered or cued or when something happens. What I've come to find both in research and science that I have read as well as in my own life and in the lives of the folks that I work with 
is that we don't get to choose how we feel initially. If you're curious about some of that research, there's a gentleman named Antonio Damasio, not the Italian model, the brain scientist. If you Google Antonio Damasio, he did research on this that is very compelling, particularly in regards to feelings and decision making. Feelings like the physiological responses that happen in your body kind of feelings and decision making. Dr. Jill Bolt Taylor, that's spelled B-O-L-T-E, has also found some science behind this as well. Now, this is what I've seen in my own experience, and this is what I've seen in my clients' experiences. As you try this on, you may find that this isn't a fit for you, which is totally okay and totally welcome here. My only request is that you get curious about it, that you just start to notice. So my truth for me about feeling those physiological responses or those physical sensations is that I don't get to choose how I feel initially. We don't get to pick how we feel initially. When a physiological sensation happens inside of your body, my body, what I call a feeling, we don't get to choose that initially, especially in places of fight, flight, or freeze or trauma. We can choose to stay stuck in that feeling if we choose to feed it a garbage thought or an unhealthy thought or a limiting belief, whatever you want to call it. But initially, when something occurs in our environment and we are triggered or activated or queued up or whatever, we don't get to pick that physiological response. Now, some folks then say, okay, but can thoughts trigger that response? Can my thought be the trigger that creates that physical sensation? Some say yes, that it absolutely can. What I've come to find for me typically is that usually there's something else going on in the environment that is picked up on by my body that I haven't been able to work into a thought yet that has created that physical sensation. It takes time to notice that. It takes training to notice that. But for me, typically, that's what I notice. Where thought comes into play is that thoughts can continue to generate that initial physiological feeling if we continue to feed it. You may have patterns or habits or limiting beliefs or garbage thoughts or whatever that you've always thought about yourself or about a situation or about environment. And once that initial physiological sensation happens, and you guys, sometimes it is so subtle that we don't think that it's there, but I'm telling you it's there. Sometimes our patterns and our habits are so quick to feed that sucker a thought that we think that it's a thought. But just start to notice. Now, as you do, as you get curious and as you notice, you may say it 100% was a thought that triggered that response. Okay, that's totally fine. If that's what you discover for yourself, That's okay. What I've discovered for myself is that usually when I think it's a thought that triggered that, if I really slow it down, I can find something that happened within my environment that triggered that before any thoughts came in. And I can recognize, oh, I think it's a thought because by the time I noticed it, I was already in my thoughts. I was already feeding my feelings thoughts. I didn't recognize the feeling in my body when I initially felt it. Does that make sense? 
So here's what we do get to choose. We do get to choose the before. Most times. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes circumstances, other people's choices make it so that we don't get to choose the before. But a lot of times we do. A lot of times we do get to choose the circumstance or the situation or the conversation or the relationship. Those things we do get to choose. Again, sometimes we don't. Sometimes other people's choices are what generates those physical sensations. But a lot of times we do get to choose. We also get to choose the during we get to choose whether or not we're going to notice the feeling and ride the wave of it, of which I will talk about a little bit later, or we get to choose if we're going to neglect the feeling and ignore it and ignore the wave that's happening. Do we get to choose the physical response initially or the physical sensation initially? No. But can we choose what we're going to do in it? Yes. We also get to choose what we're going to do after it how we're going to act, how we're going to respond, how we're going to react. Are we going to be still? Are we going to just notice? So there's some befores we can choose. There's some durings we can choose. And there's some afters that we can choose. All the afters we get to choose. We don't get to pick whether or not the physical sensation actually happens in our bodies because we're humans and that's just how we're wired. Because we don't get to choose these, because it's it's not up to us, feelings those sensations that happen inside of our bodies, they are not good or bad, right or wrong, better or worse. Feelings just are. I call them fun feelings and hard feelings because some of the fun feelings are fun and some of the hard feelings are really hard. So for me, in my own mind, I don't call them good or bad, right or wrong, better or worse. I call them fun feelings and hard feelings. For those of you who have been with me for a while, you know that The Path of Imperfections Episode 2 compared feelings to toddlers. And I very much still feel like that is a really good comparison. Some toddlers are adorable. They are fun and they are full of energy and they make us laugh and they do cute things and we want to take pictures of them and we want to be around them and we want to hang out with them. And it's just cupcakes and rainbows and puppies and unicorns. A lot of toddlers are not fun to be around. They are loud and they are sticky and they are grumpy, and it feels more like you're dealing with a Tasmanian devil than a puppy or a unicorn. They have to be everywhere that you are. They are disagreeable. They are stubborn. They have a mind of their own. And regardless of whatever time you give them, they need to constantly be acknowledged and validated. Enter feelings. Some feelings are awesome just like the toddlers. They are fun and they are pleasant and they are enjoyable and we want to keep them around and we want to put it on Instagram and it's just absolutely great. Cupcakes and rainbows and puppies and unicorns. They bring smiles to our faces, laughter to our days. But a lot of feelings, you guys, those physiological responses, those physical sensations are not fun. They are loud and they are sticky and they are everywhere that you are. Regardless of how hard you try to ignore them or hide them or correct them or change them, they kind of have a mind of their own. And regardless of whether the feeling is fun or not, they too, like a toddler, need to constantly be acknowledged and validated when they pop up. When I say acknowledged and validated, I mean that validation is coming from this place of you exist. You're real, and that's okay. That's what I mean 
by validated. That's okay doesn't mean that you like it or that you love it or that you want it. It just means it is what is. So here's what I know about toddlers. When you ignore them, they get louder. They sometimes get destructive and they do not go away, bless their ever-loving hearts, until they're acknowledged and validated. Feelings are the same way. If we ignore feelings, if we say, nope, I'm not feeling you today, sucker, I'm going to think you away. If we don't stay present in those feelings, not forever, but for a very short time, then those feelings are going to get louder. They may even become destructive. They will destroy your body. It is not a matter of if. It is a matter of when. Your body will start to destruct. And they will not go away or dissipate until they're acknowledged and validated. Now, acknowledged and validated doesn't mean you need to waller in them. My dad grew up in a little town called Randolph here in Utah. It's up at the tip top of Utah. It's freezing cold in the wintertime. And he uses the word y'all quite a bit, which is where I got it and why I say it. And he also uses this word waller. Like, don't just waller in it. Like, wallowing, right, in your woes. and your. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about playing the victim card and staying stuck, camping out in those really hard feelings. That's not what I'm talking about. But it's okay to acknowledge them and validate them. Our feelings are alerts. They're messages, especially the ones that cause discomfort in our bodies. They're telling us something. And so it's important to recognize them and acknowledge them and validate them. Now, here's the good news about feeling through. I call it riding the wave. A lot of other therapists call it that as well because it's very similar to like surfing, I guess. I've never been surfing, but I hear. The good news is that if you stay present with those feelings, completely present, you don't feed them a thought, you don't try to think them away, but if you stay present with them and you acknowledge them and you validate them, they will dissipate within 90 seconds. Dr. Jill Bolt-Taylor is a brain scientist who has studied brains that have dealt with strokes. Ironically, I don't really believe in irony. I think God has a lot to do with a lot of things. Ironically, she one day started to have a stroke, and she's an expert in strokes. And so she came to understand a lot of really cool things while that was happening and since that has happened in regards to the brain and in regards to the physical responses, feelings that we have. So she words this best. I'm just going to read how she words it. She says, when a person has a reaction to something in their environment, there's a 90 second chemical process that happens inside of the body. This is the research that she's done. After that, any remaining emotional response is just the person choosing to stay in that emotional loop. I call it a hamster wheel. Something happens in the external world and chemicals are flushed through your body, which puts it on full alert. For those chemicals to totally flush out of your body, it takes less than 90 seconds. This means that for 90 seconds, you can watch the process happening, you can feel it happening, and then you can watch it go away. If you can ride the wave of your feeling for 90 seconds, that chemical process that happens inside of your body 
without feeding it a thought. That is the trick. Then you have some real power. You have power in your thoughts. You have power in how you behave. How do you do that? How do you ride the wave? How do you stay in the feeling without wallering in it and without ignoring it? This, my friends, is a step process. You can write down, do this, then this, then this, then this. This can be a checklist if you want one for today. First of all, you notice it. You acknowledge it. Now, a lot of people are like, no, duh. Like, that makes a ton of sense. Of course you would acknowledge it. It's really hard when you start to get really clear on how your body is feeling and you're noticing how your body is feeling. It can get exhausting. It can be overwhelming because... We think we're noticing, but we're not all of the time. So when we're really, really aware of how our body is feeling, that's a lot. So that first step of acknowledging and noticing, that takes work. That takes training to be able to do that. And you can do that yourself, or if you feel like you need help, you can find a coach that can help you with that or a therapist that can help you with that. So you notice it. Then you describe it. Now, some people do that out loud. And they say, my heart is racing, my chest is tight, my stomach is like roller coaster belly, my head is hurting. Other people describe it in their own minds, right? So they'll say, oh, it feels like, you know, drums are beating on my heart, or it feels like I have butterflies in my stomach or whatever. You, you describe what's going on inside of your body. That's step two. And then step three is you stay with it. You ride the wave. Now, everybody does this differently. Some people decide that they're going to stay with it through breathing, and they do some kind of breathing exercise. Some people do other kinds of grounding exercises. They do what's called a sensory check-in, where they say, what are five things that I see? What are four things that I hear? What are three things that I can touch? What are two things I smell? What's one thing I taste? They do that sensory check-in and that helps them stay present with their body and not feed that feeling a thought initially. Other people practice visualization. So I have some folks that I will have them give the feeling a shape or give the feeling a color or give the feeling an object. I know for me, sometimes when I feel a roller coaster belly, I close my eyes and I can visualize being on that roller coaster and I'm staying present with that feeling. 90 seconds. That's it. Now, here's the thing that I noticed with myself. I'm one of those that's like, "Mm, yeah, right. Prove it kind of folks. And so as I read this research from Dr. Taylor, I was like, 90 seconds. Mm." Sister, I have felt stuff for weeks. What do you mean 90 seconds? That's shenanigans. So I got out my phone and as I started to notice, I would time. Like as my body started to have a physical response, I'd set my timer for 90 seconds. And what I noticed is about 1.5 seconds in, I would feed myself a thought. Oh, okay. That's how come I'm feeling this again more intensely. Uh, After I started to train those thoughts to get out of there by grounding exercises or visualization or whatever, doing the steps, acknowledging it, describing it, and then staying with it, I started to notice that I would only feel it for about 80 seconds. And then it went down to about 72-ish seconds. And then it went down to about 45 seconds. So then I just had to be like, okay, I guess this is a thing. I guess science is true. 
whatever. Do I rock at this? No. Have I nailed it and completed it and mastered it? No. There are some times where a tidal wave comes in and I feel like I'm drowning. When I use these skills, does it seem to go better for me? Yes. And when I watch my clients use these skills, does it seem to go better for them? Yes, absolutely. After you recognize it, notice it, acknowledge it, describe it to yourself or out loud, and then you stay with it, then you're going to feed that a nutritional thought, a helpful thought, a deliberate thought, whatever you want to call it. That is going to be next episode. Come back and listen and I can give you all the goods on that. You guys, the consistent and deep and sharp pain and discomfort, that aching feeling that comes when you're in a space of relational trauma or betrayal trauma, that is something that when I experienced it in my own body, I couldn't even describe it. I couldn't even put it into words of what that physical feeling felt like. It's unlike anything that I can compare to. And I've been pregnant with three babies and birthed them via C-section and had surgeries and have celiac disease. I can't compare that to any pain that I have felt before. As I'm feeling those things and as I apply this idea of riding the wave of those things, as I face plant and have a hard time doing it and then have to go back to the drawing board and keep trying and trying, as I practice that over and over, It has helped me notice where I can use that in other spots of my life. It's 90 seconds, you guys. When we start to train our brains and our bodies, that 90 seconds initially feels like an eternity. But 90 seconds, we can do 90 seconds, right? Dr. Taylor's work tells us there's this 90-second chemical process that happens in the body, and then after that... Anything remaining is us choosing to stay stuck in that hamster wheel. I'm going to talk about that in a future episode coming up quick. Something happens in the external world and chemicals are flushed through your body, which puts you on full alert, especially when you have that fight, flight, or freeze that's been activated before. For those chemicals to totally flush out of the body, it takes 90 seconds. This is according to her research and her science. This means that for 90 seconds, you can watch the process happening. I've given you the steps, right? So step one is notice it, acknowledge it, validate it. Step two is describe it out louder to yourself. And step three is to ride the wave. You can feel it happening and then you can watch it go by. Those are her words. After that, she goes on to say, if you continue to feel those physical responses that happen with fear and anger or so on, you need to look at the thoughts that you're thinking that are re-stimulating the circuitry that is resulting in you having this physiological response over and over and over. You can do that. You have full control over looking at those thoughts that are being thought that are re-stimulating that circuitry. For me, those thoughts are not what's initially created that physiological response. However, if I feed that quickly, a thought that's not helpful, an unhealthy thought, a limiting belief, whatever you want to call it, I am re-stimulating that circuitry and that physical response, that physiological sensation is happening over and over and over. And that I can control. I can absolutely make choices about that. All right. I feel like I fed y'all with the fire hose with all of this. I'm just going to be real. These initial cornerstones are heavy. 
I promise to you, not every single episode is going to be this in-depth or this heavy, but it's important that you have these cornerstones as we move forward because by episode 80 or 95 or 203, I'm going to be referring to these cornerstones. So it's important that if you're hanging out here with me, if you're living through with me, that you've got these cornerstones to be able to come back to in your own head. All right, guys, we did well. We did good. Look at that. Another one done. Isn't that great? I am stoked to keep living through with you and am grateful that you've come here to do this with me. Next episode, we are talking about the nutritional value of thought. So come back and let's talk all about that. We're going to talk about nutritional thoughts. And then we're also going to talk about some of those thoughts. I call them garbage thoughts or junk thoughts. You can call them looting beliefs, whatever you want to call them. All right, guys, let's talk soon. See you later.